All right, hello, Harvest Community Church. So good to be here in God's family. We are still in Mark. If you're new to the church, we're in Mark chapter 3, verse 31 to 35. So if you'd open your Bibles to Mark or your smartphone or your iPad or your uh, Amazon Fire or your Kindle, whatever Kindle does, Mark chapter 3, verse 31 to 35. Mark chapter 3. Now we know uh, last, last time, last time we were here, Scott showed us how uh, the Pharisees got in a lot of trouble with Jesus because they started saying he was from Satan. And they committed an unpardonable sin, or at least some of them apparently did, and it wasn't good. Um, uh, so Jesus is getting quite a reaction from people. Now today we're going to look at the reaction he gets from his family. So starting in verse 31. It says, and his mothers and his brothers came, and they were standing outside, and they sent to him and called him. Now, if you aren't familiar with the passage, don't get a vision of them standing outside a house, um, and there's nothing in between them and the house. There's huge crowds. They can't get in the house, and that's why they're outside. And they sent to him and called him, and a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. Anyone ever had that experience as a kid? Mom wants you. I'm busy. I'm busy. And he answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. Now, you know Jesus honored his mom, right? He kept all the commands. He was, no doubt, the best son there was. He never needed to be spoken harshly to, a spanking, corrected, nothing. He did all his chores. He was pleasant. You know, because he had no sin, he was the perfect son. And you know, since he's the perfect son, he loved his mom. He never forgot her birthday, Mother's Day, all that stuff. But when he hears that his mother and brothers are coming, instead of just answering, you know, tell him I'll be out in a little bit, you know, something like that, it becomes a teachable moment for us all. He makes it into a moment. So he's sitting there and he hears mom and brothers are out there and he thinks, I have an opportunity to teach on something very important. And that's that's what we're going to dive into today. But before we do... um, this is the, not the first mention of his family in this event. This is, um, uh, if you go back to verse 20 and 21, which I'm about to, that's where his family begins in this passage. The reason why um, we, we don't start there is because that was before last week's passage. So Mark introduces the family showing up, then he tells this long story of the scribes and how they said Jesus has a demon, then he gets back to the family. So let's Go back and see the first mention there was, then, G- then Jesus went home, and the crowd gathered again so that they could not even eat. When his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, he is out of his mind. Now, I don't know if you remember this, but Scott read that last week to you. So what happened was, the family's at home somewhere, Nazareth, I guess, and uh, now he's in Capernaum, where he lives, a village a uh, couple hours walk away, and and, and, and they hear, you know, the boy's, the boy's gone crazy. He, he thinks he's a prophet. Everybody's following him around. And, and, and he can't even eat. 
And, and they're calling him all kinds of things. Now, the family is struggling with Jesus' fame. You don't struggle with it, right? I don't struggle with it. The crowds don't struggle with it. But the family struggles with it. Why do they do that? Well, because they knew him when he wasn't a celebrity, right? If someone comes from a big family and they go off to some other city and they make it big and they come home and they're big shots, and then they come back home, the family does not, they resent the big shotness. You know what I mean? You resent, oh, I'm the, I'm the prom king in high school. And dad says, well, here, you're just the second kid that came out of your mother's body. Sit down and shut up, you know. When, when your family knows you, they know your mannerisms. Think about it. His family was so privileged, they knew the Messiah's sense of humor. They knew his smile. They knew how he reacted in certain situations. They knew what he did in every family story. But they didn't know him as a prophet. <laughs> they didn't know him as a celebrity. They never, they, they never thought of him as the guy that, that crowds come. And they didn't believe in him as Messiah. They didn't believe in him. And, and we shouldn't be shocked because Jesus already taught on this. He says, look, a prophet is without honor in his own hometown. People familiar with you aren't that impressed with you all the time. So we want to get to this teaching that he did. But first, I want to deal with some stuff, um, some stuff to deal with, stuff that might get in the way of our thinking um, that I because of years of tradition in the church or for other reasons. So, so one of the bits of stuff I want to deal with is Mary. We've got to deal with Mary. Who was she and who wasn't she? <laughs> um, I, I went to a funeral today uh, in McKee's Rocks of, of an East, Eastern Orthodox, and it was interesting. And the guy, the priest, preached the gospel. It was awesome, and that, that was good. But they also, they had paintings of Mary all over the place with Greek words to say how awesome she was. And um, people wonder who's, in the tradition my family raised in, she was called the queen of heaven. So Mary's the queen of heaven. And that's a big difference if, if, if your mom's outside saying, come home. But if the queen of heaven is outside saying, come home, doesn't that feel a little heavier? <laughs> the queen of heaven is outside. <laughs> Mother of God. <laughs> tell her I'll be a minute. No, you don't tell the queen of heaven you'll be a minute. Who's Mary? Who isn't Mary? Many myths have developed over the centuries. I think there is a big effort. We want to deify Mary. Uh, Christianity has no female deities. (laughs) We have one God, three persons, and his preferred pronoun is he, him. (laughs) So we, throughout the ages, people have wanted to make Mary, come on. Give us a female God, I think. Or they just want to honor her. So, 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 so I guess the motives, I don't know, could have been misguided and bad, or they could have been good and still misguided. But uh, you might have heard some of the myths is that Mary never sinned. And they're not all, by the way, Catholics. Some Protestants, there's Protestants in the past who believe Mary um, Never consummated her marriage with Joseph, so it was never actually legal, I guess, in the Jewish sense, and never had any other children. And, um, and that the, the idea of her being uh, immaculate means that she, she not only never sinned, but she didn't even have the stain of sin when she was born. Um, 
that she didn't die, that she, she floated up to heaven. Um, none of these things are true. Not a single one of them. And she's not the mother of God, and she's not the queen of heaven. God has no mother. Um, now, this is difficult because Jesus is God. But we must be careful to remember that the Bible always teaches us that Jesus, though he's one person, he has two natures, right? God can't have a mother because that means if, if God has a mother, she's God, right? Because she made him. <laughs> he, he is eternally the son of God. He never had a day when he didn't exist and she didn't originate that. She didn't generate that. She wasn't the genesis of his being. So she's not the mother of God, but she is the mother of the man who is God. You say, that sounds confusing. It might be, but just think biologically. On the day that he decided to come to the earth, he came inside a woman's stomach, which, by the way, should be uh, all you need to know uh, about how God values the female and the human body that can carry a baby um, because he, his first home was inside a woman. But he, she's not the mother of God. She is the mother of Jesus, who is also a man. Um, and she is, the Bible tells us, a faithful and godly young lady. So she's no one to be looked down upon or belittled. So don't hear me saying when I'm saying those myths aren't true that I'm trying to say Mary is not all that in a bag of chips. She's probably be the best church member around. I mean, God picked her to be the mother of his son. So, <laughs> But she is an ordinary faithful woman. Here's, here's the tough part, though. She needs to get saved. Even though she talked to an angel, learned that she was having this baby, <laughs> remembered all the details of his childhood, she still hasn't figured out at this point who he is. So she needs, if you were, to be saved. And she would be. Um, I, I do want to point out that this text makes the deification of Mary impossible. Um, because given an opportunity to throw worship or co-redemptrix status her way, Jesus doesn't. Um, so Mary is an ordinary woman who's faithful, and God chose her for the most important uh, physical task I guess anyone's ever had, besides dying on a cross, which he gave, he gave to her son. Jesus' brothers, I want to deal with that, were resisting him. They didn't just want him to come out, they didn't believe in him. How do we know that? John's gospel tells us in John 7, 5, this exact sentence, for not even his brothers believed in him. So he, he went out to do his work. If he went, when he went home, they're like, oh, big prophet back. If you want to read through the context in John 7, you'll see they're ridiculing him there. They're saying, well, if you're a prophet, what are you doing up here in Galilee, big shot? I thought prophets are supposed to go down there with your followers to Jerusalem. And uh, he says, well, my time's not yet come, and on and on. Now, they would come to believe in him. As, as far as we know, they, in fact, the book of James in your Bible was written by one of his brothers, half-brothers. They had the same mom. Um, but at this point, they didn't. So that's who's coming to get him, his family. And they're not believers yet, apparently. And his sister, too, if she's with them. So let's get back to the text uh, here's, a, here's the text again, ver, starting verse 33 and 34. Jesus is going to ask a question, and then he's going to answer a question. That makes it easy for us, doesn't it? You know, here's the test, here's the answer to the test. My favorite kind of test. Verse 33, 
He said, who are my mother and my brothers? And they're probably thinking, uh, don't answer. He's got the answer. Looking about those who sat around him, he said, you know, maybe he waved his arm. Look at these folks. Here are my mother and my brothers. Okay, that's a strange answer, isn't it? For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and my sister and my mother. Brother and sister and mother. I want to make a few observations about this. One, Jesus is not diminishing the importance of his mother or his brothers. I don't think we should read this to think he's being rude to the people outside waiting for him. They love him. He loves them. Um, uh, he's, he's, he, this is a teachable moment. But I don't think he's trying to say those people aren't important. Mothers and brothers matter a lot. In fact, the teaching makes, has no impact if mothers and brothers don't matter. If you can just walk away from your family and they don't matter, then when you say to someone else, now you can be my brother, he could say, well, I saw what you did with your other brother. What do I care? Right? It, mo- the, the Bible displays the centrality of the human family. So <laughs> this, you want to know where Satan is attacking your society and your globe? We're increasingly becoming a global village, unfortunately, where people are of one mind because of media hits everybody, and you want to know where Satan's attacking? He's attacking right here. The definition of what it means to be human and what it need, means to be family, but we know God. So we know that the very first commandment out of the Ten Commandments that dealt with humans dealt with parents, right? The first four commandments dealt with God. No other God, no idols, no name in vain, Sabbath. The very first commandment that dealt with your relationship to other human beings is the fifth commandment, honor your father and your mother. Why? Because that's your first human concern. So Jesus wouldn't belittle his mom. He honors her. People should have primary loyalty and obligation in this life to parents And then to brothers and sisters who share those parents with you. That's your first obligation. Then, most individuals are to marry, and most have children. And they perpetuate the cycle by honoring you and their siblings until they do the same. This is to be the glue that holds human society together. It is the plan of God to hold human society together. The family is the place where humans, by God's plan, are to learn to do the right thing, to feel pain when they do the wrong thing, so they're learning to operate among other humans. It's the place where God's plan was that they would learn to laugh at the right time, celebrate at the right time, enjoy other people, to work, to survive. In our day, the devil has done and continues to do great damage to mankind and to our society, even to our towns, by attacking marriage and the family that finds marriage at its center. The messages against family are everywhere. And I I hope you American Christians will open your eyes and see them. Just see them. See them. All this nonsense about who can be a man and who can be a woman is attack on the very chain links that are supposed to hold our society together. Because you can't have husband and wife, you don't want to know what a man or a woman is. Gay marriage is an attack on that. 
The idea of people purposely having babies without the other spouse. Purposely. And saying, that's fine. If it happens, it's hard enough on a person to do it on purpose is a sin against the child. And, and, and the idea that you should just start living together before you start getting married. You're ter- All these are Satan's way. He's trying to kill the family. Jesus here is not diminishing the value of the family. Rather, because he holds it very high, what he's doing is he's elevating those people in the room. And trust me, the Jews would be shocked by what he said. Our society wouldn't be so shocked. We'd go, eh, okay, whatever. You do your thing. You be you. You be you. But in their society, you say that about mama and dada? Hey, my mama, is my mama right here. We're like, what a rotten kid you are. But he's not diminishing his mom. He's elevating his friends. Because family is important, the statement is shocking, if you will. Second observation, Jesus reveals an alternate way to become part of a family, or his family. (laughs) There's two ways. If you want to be a, who here wants to be part of Jesus' family? Say yes. Okay, how can you do it? First, go back in time, all right, and then be be procreated within Mary. Go for that. That's the first way. (laughs) You can have the same mommy. That's how you can be in his family. But if you can't pull that off, and you can't, there's a second way. You can be born. Here it comes again. You can be born spiritually from heaven. John 1, 11 to 13. Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. Isn't that not very similar to the story we just saw? His own people come and say, hey, we want you. And he's, but they don't believe in him yet. They will. He says, who's my mom and dad? Or who's my brothers and sisters? The people in this room. He came to his own. His own did not receive him. But to those who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Not the option, not the, it's a right. It is a right. So is that a funeral? Eventually someone's going to read a will, right? And, 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 and the, son, the family has rights in that situation because they're family, Likewise, when you receive Christ, it's not a maybe that he's going to bring you into his family. It's a right. It's a right. Like freedom of speech once was in this great country. Who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man. Why is it a right to be a child of God in this verse? Look at that verse. Why is it a right to be a child of God in verse um, I think that's 13 there, 12 or 13. Why is it a right? Why? Can you see the answer to that in that question? Or in that verse? He gave the right to become children of God because you were born. I'm a child of my mom and dad. They may not want to claim me. That's fine. But I have the right to call myself that because that's the body I came out of and I, I know who daddy is. You have the right to be called son of God, child of God. Why? Because you were born. Not of blood, nor of will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So when Jesus is saying this, he's not being cute. 
Who are my mother? Who are my brothers? He's not being cute. He means it. And the family goes beyond the earthly family. Being a part of Jesus' earthly family will only get you so far, right? His brothers, if they don't come to believe in him, they're going to go to judgment. It's, it's appointed all man wants to die and then the judgment. And they'll have to pay for their sins like anybody else if they don't believe in Jesus and go to hell. And they'll say, well, I was Jesus' brother. Doesn't matter. You were his physical brother. You were not his spiritual brother. And some other guy, some schmo, you know, who's a leper, with his hand falling off, comes up to Jesus. He gets healed. It's like he's his brother. Look at this. Look at this. This is not an odd theme. It is a central theme of the Bible. 1 John 3, 1 and 2. See what kind of love the Father has given unto us? What kind of love? How has God loved you? That we should be called children of God. What's well, one thing to be called children of God? I'd want to be one. Well, it says, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is it didn't know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. John said in the Bible, do you know, I can make the same statement to every one of you who hears my voice, who knows Jesus. I can say to you this, and it's just as true. Beloved, we are God's children now. Now, if you're a good old-fashioned country folk, that was a good place to say amen, but you missed it, okay? I'll I'll try to give you another chance. Beloved, we are God's children now. (laughs) And what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. That's far out. That's far out. Sorry. I was raised primarily in the 70s in those formative years, and we said things like far out. It, it comes out. I wasn't even thinking that. That's, that's a weird thing to say, right? Okay. What a long, strange trip it's been. Um, <laughs> that's really something. That's amazing. When we see him, we'll be transformed because we'll see him as he is and we'll become like him. So he has a glorious body. We'll get one. Sermon's not on that. I wish it was. I don't have time to get everything in a sermon. But this is the simple truth. You are God's family. Now, I don't want to leave it there, but that's the point. So let me, let, let, let's dwell on it a little bit. Let me give you some implications. One, that means we are family. We. Ever had a crazy uncle? You do now. <laughs> I'm hanging out around. See some of your kids. I'm loading them up with candy. I'm like, I got to get my kid away from him. Now I'm his crazy uncle. You can't do it. I'm, it's only a matter of time. In heaven, you should see the candy I'm saving up. This is a good thing. Even if you never had, if you have a great biological family, good. Then you know you have a head start on how to behave in the family of God. But if your biological family was a mess, it's okay. You got brothers and sisters right here in this room. If people are older, consider them fathers and mothers. If you don't feel comfortable, consider them aunts and uncles. All right? Some of them are like, can I, ha- can I have him, can I have Mike as a fourth cousin? No. It's either brother or sister. It's very direct. Very direct. Now, you... You gotta, you gotta believe that so you can start growing that. Just because we're brothers and sisters doesn't mean I know you or you know me. It takes a while. 
but the commitment I make to my brothers is unspoken. We're brothers. And mom would beat us if we didn't love each other or commit to each other at least. Right? And she'd beat us when we fought each other. Um, because that's what mom, I shouldn't say beat, because in this day and age. Well, actually, she's dead. What are you going to do to her? She would take a spoon and just tan our hides. And, but I can walk up to you and have that same commitment in my mind. I'm just meeting this person. It's my brother. It's my sister. I'm going to commit to starting today. I'm going to grow up with you trying to make a friend and grow in this loving relationship and stay committed to it as much as it depends on me. You can't save them all. Second implication is you can join the family if you're not already. If you're visiting church, I want you to know the number one way people come into the family is they're invited to church. The number one way people commit their lives to Jesus, receive Jesus. Remember he said, I read that verse to you earlier, to as many as received him, to them he gave the the right to become children of God. That means the entrance level is receiving Jesus, which is language which means give up your life and just be all for Jesus. You're going to follow him. And you can do that, and then guess what? You join the family. It's really easy. And you could do it even today. We'll come back to that. Third implication is you can and should pray for your earthly family to come to know Jesus. I want to sit on this one for a while, even though it might not apply to everybody as much. Some people's families are all Christians, and that's awesome. I love that. I once met a lady in Haiti who's the 10th generation. Everyone's a Christian. And they can tell the story of when great-grandpa, 10 generations before, met a missionary who came to Haiti and, and started the ball rolling. Praise the Lord. But many of us don't, can't say that about all our family. I myself felt very much like a freak when I um, received Christ as my Savior. And you might too. Jesus' earthly family, including his mother, was not automatically saved. An amazing truth. Um, but they would get saved, including Mary. Without honor in your own home, is that you? You can be without honor in your own home. If you come from a family and many people aren't saved in it, can I urge you, take the long view. Don't get frustrated. Preach the gospel a few times. Then you can stop. They know what you think. You're annoying to them. Sometimes, once in a while, a brother will say, well, if my brother's saved, I want to be saved, and they jump in. That's awesome. But very often, you're just annoying because you betrayed them, because you got weird, because you were one of us, and you left, and you got something else at that church, came back, and you think we're all sinners, and you're not. They would listen to someone else. So I, I want to tell a, a story here that I don't think I've ever told in public, but I've told it to a lot of people. Um, but I guess it's time. Um, when I first came to know Christ, I was 19, and uh, I was in college. No, I went to college after that, right after that. I wasn't in college. I was in, was in beach. It's good to be in beach. It's like college, but better. <laughs> if you're young, go to beach first for a couple years, then college. I was in beach, and <laughs> I got saved and went to college. And then the, the following summer, I went up and visited my, my mom, who lived in Alaska. And I was going to share my faith with her. And uh, she was not having it. She, she didn't like what I had to say. She says, look, I feel like you're betraying us. Betraying you by loving Jesus? 
<laughs> by being a Christian, we're Catholic, she said. Now, this, I'm not dogging on Catholics. I believe there are some Catholics who know the Lord. But I also know there's an awful lot of barriers to getting saved in the Catholic Church. Um, more than there should be. And I say that as an ex-insider. Yell at me if you want. And I sat there thinking, Mom, we're Catholic. I can count on one finger the number of times I saw my mom in a church, not counting her wedding pictures. But she was betrayed. And then another, so, but that bothered me. And I, I shared the gospel with my brothers, my stepdad, tried to talk to my dad, stepmom. I have all kinds of parents all over the place. Tried to talk to aunts and uncles. <laughs> they, they had nothing to do. I tried talking to cousins. Kids would go for it, and then their parents would say, stop listening to your cousin. You know, no kidding. It was like that. I'm like, this is fun, Jesus. Thanks. Um, Could have saved a friend. (laughs) And I remember my mom, when I was getting married, I took her out to have Chinese food in Altoona, which, what else you can do in Altoona? Could have Chinese food. And a lot of great Chinese people from Altoona. So <laughs> I'm thinking, I'm going to, this is it. I prayed about this. God, I want to share the gospel with my mom again. And this time she's going to get it because it's two days before my wedding and she's going to be pretty positive towards me. And I share the gospel with her and she didn't argue, but when she's done, she was, let's say, patronizing. She was like, oh, honey, you know I love you. And it's almost like you could have added the word anyway. <laughs> I'm like, I'm not getting anywhere with this woman. A few years later, she told me, you know, I was talking with one of my Muslim friends, and you know what she said? She said, these born-again types, they always talk about Jesus, 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 and never talk about God. I think she's right. And I'm like, Mom, Mom. Heck, even the Pope wouldn't go for that one. I mean, (laughs) Jesus is God. But that's where she was. I had to admit she was lost. You don't want to say that about your mom. You want to give her the benefit of the doubt. She was lost. The things of Christ weren't appealing to her. And when she said that, look, if you deny that Jesus is the, is the son of God, you're not saved. And that's my mom. So I just lived among my family. I could tell you stories about all my family members and which ones still hate me and which ones don't. Well, they all love me because they're family, but they found me annoying. No honor. Um, so, When I was 30, I left my job and went off to seminary with my wife and two kids. Three years later, left seminary with a wife and three kids. And um, I don't know how that happened. Actually, I do. (laughs) We were poor. Still the cheapest date. Um, For you married folks. For married folks only. (laughs) It's real. (laughs) <laughs> so I left seminary I start First Baptist Church of Union, New Jersey and, and I'm 33 and I'm, I have a lot of work experience but I'm learning a lot about what it means to be a pastor and going through that so then I get this call around Easter time it's been 13 years since my mom let me know that I betrayed her. So she, she calls me on the phone. She says, I want to tell you something, Mike. What? I received Jesus tonight. 
And I was like, what are, you, what are you talking about? Well, I got a friend at work who's a Christian. And, and so it's always a friend at work. I paid my dues with my mom. She don't listen to me. And she's been trying to get me to go to church for years. So tonight she took me to a passion play. Now my mom has no idea what a passion play is. Maybe you don't. She thought it was a romance, a story of the lovers and things like, like Romeo and Juliet. But a passion play is a story acted out of the, of the, of the crucifixion of Jesus. Now, if you know my mom, she's an, she has, God gave her an awesome, graceful personality. She's mother of everybody. And, um, <laughs> but she also, kind of like me, doesn't always notice social sensibilities. She's a lot nicer than me, so no one seems to mind. I'm trying to be good, kind too, but. So she goes to this passion play, and it's in this big arena that goes down like this. Seats go down, um, holds a, a thousand people maybe. I don't know if it's a church that does that or, an, or a theater, I don't know. Can't remember, but she told me it, was, it went down like that. And she says, she's there with her friend, and the lights go out. And as soon as the lights go out, she hears someone fall down. She says, Mike, I heard someone fall down on the ground right next to me. And knowing my mom, she ain't going to sit in that seat. So I got out, and I was picking him up. And he was like, no, no, no. And the lights came up. She was helping Jesus off the ground with his cross. She's a Simon of Cyrene because he's coming down. He's an actor, right? He goes, he goes, and there's my mom helping Jesus up. She has inserted herself into the gospel story. <laughs> My mom's done embarrassing things our whole life. Nothing new. That's Mandy. So she sits back down next to her friend, and the play goes on. Well, Mary gets her attention. Now, she's been raised Catholic, and um, she's not a good one, but she was a loyal one because it's an identity. It's a religious identity. And Mary's, you know, She's the co-redemptrix, queen of heaven. She's everything. She's, she's on a half shell on the lawn, and she's, you know what I mean? She's everything. Statues, the whole deal. But my mom told me, I saw Mary on that stage, and it hit me that she was a mom. Now, you don't think about that, but I guess growing up, hearing that she's the mother of God, the queen of heaven, and all this business, she was a goddess, kind of. But she saw this actor on a stage playing Mary. And when she saw Mary standing under the cross, she cried because she was a mom. And she thought of her sons being humiliated in public and killed like that. And she wept. And then afterwards, (laughs) some preacher comes out. And she tries to put her armor back up, right? Her armor's down. She tries to put it back up. She says, he comes out, and I know what he's going to do. He's going to try to get us to commit to something. He's going to try to get us to raise our hands or something. And she says, I made up my mind. I'm not going to do it. And, and then he tells the gospel about receiving Christ. Anyone who wants to receive, her Christ, receive Christ, raise your hand. She raised her hand. And then she called me on the phone to say, now my friend, the reason I called is my friend told me I have to be baptized now. Now, I know her friend, and she is a Christian, but she wrongly believes in baptismal regeneration, which means you have to actually go in the water to be saved. 
And she says, do I have to, Mike? Because now I'm a pastor. She's actually asking me questions. You used to be just a religious nut. Now you're a professional. You know, I don't know. (laughs) Now that you're doing it, I guess I can ask you questions. I'm like, Mom, you're saved by grace through faith. And she says, well, do I have to stop being Catholic? I said, you know, I'm not going to fight that battle. I said, no. She never went back to the Catholic church in her life. She went to this lady's church, which was a pretty good church with one exception. And I said, you, tell you what, you're going to come visit me this summer? Yeah, I'll baptize you. So I was 33 years old. The first time I officially baptized anyone in public, it was my daughter Mandy and my mom. And what is that? That's the grace of God. That's the gospel, right? So if you're in a family, don't think anyone's unsavable in there. They're not listening to you because they know you. You're not, you're not some godly person who's going to usher heaven into our house because we were too stupid to tell you that. That's how it feels to them, even though it's not that. That's how it felt to Jesus. If Jesus' family needs to get saved... You know, you're not even Jesus. (laughs) Here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of God, what's the application for life? Here's the final, those are my implications, they're done. Final application for all of us. There's gotta be a way to embrace family as Christian. I was thinking about this. I was talking about, we've been talking about practicing the presence of Jesus Christ in your everyday life. Now, I think that immediately gets people to think, oh, I have to read the Bible more. I have to pray more. I have to do this more. I have to do this better. Because I, if you, what, what are the two greatest commandments that Jesus said? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then as we learn, he would say later, when he's going to the cross about a deeper love that he wants for family because he says to us, all by this all men will know you're my disciples if you have love for one another, John 13, 35. And he also said, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love as no one than this that he laid down his life for his friends. So there's this, this love we are supposed to have for God, for the world, but even more than the world, for one another. How can you love God if you're always afraid to see him because you're not performing? Could you imagine if you tried to make friends with somebody and every time, or someone's trying to, make, let's say, turn around, everyone, someone wants to make friends with you and they come and they're nice to you but you're so intimidated and uncomfortable socially around them that you're thinking, he probably doesn't like my hair. <laughs> he probably doesn't like this. Oh, and I said something stupid. And, oh, and, and it's just easier to, hi, <laughs> I'm, I'm here to be your friend. I really want to be my friend but if he, if he knows what I'm really like, after a while, you know, it, what if all your people come to you like that? A bunch of people want to be your friends, and you're just like, how much of a relationship are you going to have? It'll be, if that person could love you, but... The gospel says that all your sins are forgiven, and now you are. Jesus says, who is my brother and my sister? None of you have to be moms, okay? Let's, let's make you all brothers and sisters today. You are. And he's forgiven you your sin, so when he comes out to play, 
He wants what with you? He wants to enjoy you. He wants to enjoy you. If my mom could come back from the dead and see me today, I do not think I'd be sitting around worrying about her performance. Right? If, if, <laughs> if my old man got off a plane in Pittsburgh today and I went and saw him, I wouldn't say, Dad, how have you been performing lately? I mean, I'm so psyched to see you. And I'd hope he'd say the same to me. God loves seeing you. He loves being with you. So, listen, so here's the application. Enjoy him. God is the most coolest and the most fun and the most awesome and the most wonderful and the most beautiful and the most great. And he digs you. Another 70s term. Sorry, I can't. (laughs) He thinks you're far out. But then you turn that around, and then what's the second command? I'm going to ask everyone in every campus to do something right now. I want you to look around. Don't look at the screen, and don't look at me. This is going to be embarrassing. Socially risky. This is very risky. There are humans in the room. They could see you seeing them. But I'd like you to try it, all right? I think you're brave enough to do this. Right now, look around. Right now, seriously, look. There are people, don't just look. Now, you looked at the person you felt safest with. Look at somebody else. Now, if you looked at somebody, isn't that person awesome? Okay, to pull off brother and sister, you gotta go through life like that. You gotta go through life when you see someone saying, It's awesome to see you. I have people in my life, when they see me, I can tell it's awesome for them to see me because their face says it and their mouth says it. And then others who, it's the preacher. (laughs) (laughs) Hide. Because I'm going to get on my bat phone and talk to God and tell him all about how awful you are. (laughs) You're surrounded by awesome people. They're flawed, yes. Can you see the importance of getting rid of forgiveness? Can you see the importance of fighting your own demons, fighting your anxiety and insecurity, not letting them stop you from loving other people? The joy in the Christian life comes from joy, not work. You say, well, doesn't it come from obedience? Yeah, well, what's the command? Love God, love your neighbor. Well, I'm not really loving him if I'm just enjoying his presence. I'm not really loving this person. Don't I have to go fix shingles on his house or feed the poor? Well, you can do that, but I bet it'll make that person's day if you just treat them like they're important. This is the, the food of our souls, right? We're family. And we're not supposed to be a dysfunctional family. This is not everybody loves Raymond. This is, this is the Huxtables. I probably just dated myself. It's people who actually get along. All right. I think you get the point. If you would like to join the family of God, would you receive Christ? Thank you for listening to this sermon from Harvest Community Church. 
we invite you to join us at any one of our four campuses located in Catanning, Petrolia Valley, Indiana, and Freeport. For more information, check us out on the web at harvestpa.org.